Hello and welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights. We're two games into the season and after the last episode where we were basically saying how many we would lose by, we've actually gone and got a point and played pretty well. My name is Tom Murray. My name's Callum Wilson and this is Under the Lights. Callum, who the bloody hell expected that? Uh, none of us. No Saints fans, no Man United fans, no neutrals, probably not even Ralph himself. Uh, but promising signs. If you listened to the podcast last week, you're in for a completely different ride this week. We're, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna jump jump on the bandwagon, and one week will be Ralph out, and one week will be Ralph in. But he did pretty much everything that we wanted him to. He adapted, um, he made early subs, he changed the game. Tactically, he, he won the battle with Solskjaer. Um, I'm still not sure he got the starting eleven right. I still think we were better when he played three in the middle. But we contained Man United, and especially in the second half after we changed formation, I thought we contained them with quite... Uh, quite easily to be honest. I don't want to put that word out there but Man United didn't create anything and we were that side we said it in the last podcast what we what do at the end we said what do we want from the performance you know because result we didn't think we'd get one but we didn't want to be steamrolled and we wanted fight which we got and we wanted to be that side who isn't easy to break down and we can defend everything they throw at us and you know we almost did yeah there was a t there was that point that Armstrong chance at the end where we could have nicked it late on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But on the face of it, every every Saints fan would have taken a point at the at, at at kickoff. I was let's start let's start with the team because I was very surprised and almost quite deflated when I saw that we'd put the same side out after it was very um, evident from the opening day of the season that 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 team, especially the likes of Walcott and Jenepo, sort of flattered to deceive in terms and of course the complete lack of creativity on the opening day yes we took we took a goal lead but as we said in the last podcast there apart from that chance and the one that Armstrong hits it from a narrow angle we couldn't really remember any clear-cut chances but against Manchester United fantastic play and yes there was an element of fortune about the opening goal with the with the major deflection but you you make your own luck and it was a really good bit of build up with Jenepo Armstrong I think Armstrong and Adams are forming a really good partnership so far and Armstrong he doesn't even look at Adams when he does that little back heel on the edge of the box to him I know it's a five yard pass but just to have the confidence to be like yeah I know your I know my man is there I know I can just flick it to him there because against the likes of Manchester United when you're playing against world class players they can cut that sort of pass out with ease if you know if if they can read it. And Armstrong, I think his pressing is phenomenal. I mean, I knew he was quick, but he's taken to Hasenhutl pressing like a duck to water. Yeah, I can't believe you've mentioned the the quality build up to that first goal without asking me the question. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Was, it a, was, was it a foul on Bruno in the build up? 
I thought I, I didn't want to ask the question because it's obviously not a foul. Bruno's gone down like a sack of spuds. Stevens has just shown a bit more fight than Bruno would be expecting. He's won the ball very cleanly. And the fact that Ollie was talking about, oh, well, you know, we're going back to the dark ages with the rugby. I'm just like, have a laugh. Someone made a very good point. I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but they said, isn't it interesting that the likes of Klopp and Solskjaer are now getting annoyed that refs aren't giving the soft fouls anymore? And it's just like, that's yeah. because they've been winning those free kicks for decades. And finally, they've had fair play to the to the referee on the day, Craig Pawson. He's had the balls to be like, you know, I'm going to let the game flow. I'm going to let you be quite rough. And Yes, it was a rough challenge, but he's won the ball cleanly and we all and Bruno has that reputation for going down very, very easily. So I took as a complete, you know, even with my Saints tinted glasses on, I absolutely love watching that goal and just watching Fernandez in the build up, just like yelling at the referee, throwing his arms up and the referee's like, nah, not having any of that. Yeah, and the ref booked him as well because he's a whiny little swat as well, isn't he, Fernandez? So um yeah, I, I thought I thought the re the refereeing was great. Yeah, I don't remember at any point in the game thinking oh, this referee's useless, and and that's that's usually how I feel. Um, I, yeah, the, the Cornish Maldini had the bit between his teeth, man. That that game, like he probably the best game I've seen him play. I think it helps that we defended deep and as a unit because I think where Jack Stevens comes undone is his concentration and when there's space um, in behind him. Whereas he was, they were deep. He had Sally Sue next to him, then Ben Narak um, next to him as well. When it became a three, which is which I think is Stephen's best position on on the right of a three. Uh, but yeah, he came in, took the ball, and 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 left a bit on the man. And I don't I don't mind that. You know, anyone saying he came? Someone said he came through. I think it was Solskjaer. Sol someone said he came through the man didn't come through the man at all. He didn't shield the ball properly. He went around the outside of him, got his foot on the ball and then and then barged into him with his hip. And yeah, he, he, he was he was in that mood. He had the bit between his teeth. So he so he pushed him down with his arm as well after he'd won the ball. Bit of bit of rough and tumble. Don't don't care about that in the slightest. He won the ball and he didn't foul him. Um, and then after that and, and it was the area of the pitch he won the ball as well. He, he completely neglected his centre-back position, won it like a pressing right winger. Um, and clearly that's the way that Ralph wanted them to play. And, and, you know, that is high risk, high reward. Fortunately, this week it was high reward. If he doesn't get that ball and Fernandez pops it off and there's a counter on, we're worried. But that's the way he wants to play. And, and at times it works really well. And, and like I said to you as well, as the only way to win this is by giving them something to worry about because defensively, that's where they're arguably slightly um, slightly weaker. So, yeah, I thought the build-up for that goal, um, Che Adams' shot was hitting the corner flag. I'm not having any of this argument against the, the own goal. Um, Fred put it in the back of the net, otherwise that was going nowhere. But the build-up was great. And I, I the, the line-up, I agree with you. I, I, I was annoyed at the lineup. I didn't think players deserved their place. Um, I couldn't believe Armstrong wasn't there, but then found out it was an injury. But there's still are, still other parts of that. The wingers, I still thought we could have done better. But they all worked really hard. Completely different display as St Mary's for the first time in front of fans, which was brilliant to see um, once they all got in the ground. And, uh, and to be honest, I think him making the substitution at half time. I feel like he might have been on Twitter last week because he, <laughs> he was, listened to the podcast. Was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> obviously. 
uh, Ralph, if you're listening, this will be a much better listen for you than it was last <laughs> week. But I, I, I thought they were, I thought they were great. Um, certainly in the second half, I felt that the reason he bought Bednarek on was a because we were defending a one-goal lead, but b because we were not defending set pieces, and that was a huge worry for me. Yeah, and that first one in the uh, the first half where it hits the bar and we just about get off the line is it's Sunday league defending. It is absolutely comical. Even as a Saints fan, you got to watch that and just be like, oh my God, how have we not conceded there? McCarthy doesn't know if he's coming or going. He's flapping at it. We've got Livermento and Salisu and Stevens all in the back of the net trying to just get it off the line. Salisu just about gets it off the line. He played really well in that game, Salisu, as we we expected him, but he's going to be an absolute rock this season. But yeah, one thing, I know it worked so many times last season, but I just, I hate watching it. It's the fact that high that line, man. it's the high line where we just leave it and just catch them offside. And there's like five players still on goal. And even when um, they are onside, they somehow never manage to finish it and just pass it in the back of the net. It just is horrible watching it. It's absolutely horrible. And I know it's a tactic and I know if it works the majority of the time, but it is we are going to get caught out at some point. I know we've, sent, we've said that for quite some time now, but um, when we are caught out, it's going to look embarrassing. Um, yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't even just the high line. It, even when we stayed in there from corners, useless. How many I didn't score? At least two goals. Guilt edge chances. There's points where Greenwood was winning headers in the middle of our box from a corner. And he's like the smallest bloke on the pitch. Mm. You know, without Vestergaard in there, there seems to be a gaping hole at both ends when it comes to set pieces. Suddenly it looks like James Ward-Prowse can't take a corner. Managed to hit one in the side netting. Struggled to beat the first man a couple of times. Last week against Everton, it wasn't coming off for him. Don't know if that's, not, if that's because they're trying other things or they just he hasn't got Vestergaard to aim for. Might be a chance that uh, the new sign-in will go into later might help us with that if he if he comes into the side to start with. But we definitely missed a presence in that box. Pogba should have scored a header. They almost scored, as you said, that scramble. Greenwood had one. And there were other chances. And there will be sides who are going to target us at set pieces based on that. Um, and we, we really tactically, Ralph needs to get that sorted ASAP. Because it didn't really improve, mm. certainly at the beginning of the second half, even when we brought on Bednarek. I want to talk about an individual performance that I think, one, we're not going to have him for very long. So enjoy him while he's here. For five million quid, it's probably one of the best signings we've made of for some time. Tino Livramento looks like an absolutely world-class player in the making. He's magic, you know. <laughs> Tino Livramento. He's he's uh, he's going to be yeah he's going to be a top player isn't he I mean I'm starting it's very it's weird to say this but I'm starting to not find a way that Carl Walker Peters is going to be in our starting eleven um, considering that we were we at one point we had Valerie and Vokins playing for us last season mm. we've been crying out for fullback cover and we and you know how you know how well he played is that to get Walker Peters on the pitch because he obviously wanted to get him on the pitch. Maybe it was to stop Sancho. But even when they wanted to bring him on, they didn't bring him on at right back. They took off the left back and put him on, on Sancho out there, um, which isn't his position. Livermento is going to play every minute where, where he can, I think. Uh, and 
again, it, again, he was he was brilliant in both directions. You know, interceptions. I saw a stat, can't remember what it is, but most interceptions in a game for a player in the Premier League since Luke Shaw in a yonks and yonks and yonks ago, um, six in a game, something like that. He's he reads the game well. He's brilliant going forward. Um, he's an absolute snip at four million pounds on fantasy football. And I, 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 yeah, I feel like you're right. We probably won't see him for very long. Um, but imagine, imagine being allowed to have Livermento for a season or two, and then being paid thirty million pounds for the privilege. I mean, how that deal was struck up by uh, by us is is quite astonishing. Um, although he, he would definitely go for more in the future, and we prefer there not to be a release clause. What's likely of what's going to happen is that when he does go, we're going to get a considerable amount of money, and I don't see I don't see why Chelsea have done that. But um, might as well just send him on loan. But yeah, I, I feel like you know if we can get him for a couple of seasons, and even when he gets bought from us, we can get him on loan for another year. You know, he he's he's a top talent and uh, already a fan's favourite. I feel. I think with with that deal, Saints are the winners, whatever happens, because even if he were to be signed back by Chelsea at the end of this season, because I think he is on course to do really, really well, um, we are going to get a hell of a lot of money to buy his replacement. And we wouldn't even, do we even need to, we, we, at that point, you just do the same thing of buying maybe some cover because then we'll still have Walker Peters, um, you'd, you'd imagine. So either way, we're going to get a fantastic player for one, two, maybe three years. And when they when he does leave, which he will, I think no, he's not going to be here for the for the remainder of his career unless something amazing happens. Um, we're going to get an, a considerable amount of money to spend on the squad. Um, you mentioned thirty million; it's it's more than that. Um, but um, like, yeah, but in terms of net, yeah, yeah. You know, in terms of net, in terms of net, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he looks absolutely fantastic. I'm really excited uh, by him. Um, I think, um, again, Adam Armstrong looks a good signing. Yes, he should have put that chance away um, either side of the goalkeeper and he's, he's scored. Um, but he, what was good is in his post-match interview is he said he wasn't phased by the miss because he knows chances will come. And that's a good sign. That's a sign of a good striker. He's not going to... He should have buried it though, shouldn't he? He should have buried it. He should have buried it. But if we think, if Shu was on the other foot, if say that was Shea Adams who missed that, is we've seen that he's very much a confidence player and his head might drop after that. With Adam Armstrong, I don't think that's the case. I think he's going to just... Um, yeah, true, true. I think he's just going to shrug it off. one-on-one yep, inside yep. the box centrally mm. and he's taken it first time, which is... Uh, I've got no problem with that. But he's... The finish is... is this a nothing finish. Like yeah. it was, I, I, I back him to score there. I think... Even if he has the option to quickly take a touch and then pass it, it's the fact that it's coming into him and he has to hit it. He has to let it come across his body. He's not quite in the right shape to pick out a corner and he just sort of hits it. You're not going to score against De Gea with that kind of finish. No. So I like, like him to have been a bit cuter, but I completely agree with you. It's not going to knock his confidence. He knows he's a goal scorer. No. Um, so, so yeah, I, I feel like we were, yeah, Ralph got it right, if not with the starting lineup, certainly with the substitutions, the change in formation. We lost our way a little bit after half time because, and when we conceded the goal, because he bought on, he went three at the back, but still, it's left us at sort of 
3-4-3 with those two wingers still on the pitch, which we didn't need. Once he went to 3-5-2 and got Diallo on the pitch, uh, we we looked we still looked dangerous actually, and, and that's when we created the chance. So yeah, I, I think three I think three five two might be something we see a lot more of this mm. season. Whether it's for a whole game or whether it's to see out parts of games, I don't know. But I would be quite comfortable, especially now that we've signed um, a new centre back. Um, we speak about Adam Armstrong. He's got an opportunity at the weekend to go back to his old club, Newcastle. Before that, uh, as we record it, in a couple of hours' time, Saints have got uh, a very um, rare game at Rodney Parade against Newport County. Uh, it's a rare game yeah. in general. We, we don't normally get a League Two side away from home in, in the cup competitions. We, we seem to get very boring ties. This seems to be quite a... I'm quite excited for this one. Yes, it's against lower league opposition, but it's different. It's a different team, different ground. Yeah, and, and I think I think you echo what many fans have, have said. We, we sold out the allocation. A lot of play on a, on a Wednesday night, a lot of uh, fans going over to Wales to watch this for that exact reason. Being, being it's such a prestigious club and spending so much time in the upper echelons of English football, it's very rare that we get the opportunity to go to these, to these old-fashioned little grounds like we used to back when we were struggling in the League Ones, etc. But, of course, we don't really have that problem these days. So it's a, it's a lovely treat to be able to, to play a team like Newport County. I expect us to win handsomely. And I expect to see a lot of changes. Mm. And I'm excited, actually, for this because we have a squad that we can use. We can make 11 changes if we wanted to. And there are a lot of players and young players that we might get to see for the first time mm. um, play in a game where I feel like they're still good enough to, to get us the victory and put us into the next round. Yeah, I think Ralph has said that there are going to be changes. I know he, he likes to play a strong team but that was last season when we didn't have a strong second team or a you know a, a string a, a string of players that we could afford to really bring in without considerably weakening the side I, I'm in terms of player personnel um I don't think we're going to see the likes of Sameu because he played um last night for the B team yeah. um maybe the likes of Caleb Watts uh come in uh Finnegan um I think Nathan Teller has to start Maybe Michael Oberfemi as well up front. Uh, I'd like to see Brogia, although I've heard so far, not not massively impressing, mm -hmm. but um, it's likely he's going to play a big part this evening, which you'd expect him and Teller up front for a second string. It's not bad. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah, we'll see some of those players. I think there'll be a mix. I wouldn't be surprised if we still see one of... Romeo or Ward Prowse, you know, usually Ward Prowse, but because he had his injury, will he get rested? I don't know. Maybe still seeing Walker Peters centre backs playing. You know, Walker Peters will play whether Perot plays as well, or it sounds like Valerie will most likely play. So I'd expect him maybe on the right, Walker Peters on the left. Um, Forster in goal. We're still going to have some strong players, you know, Redmond's. Very good um, against lower those, league opposition as well. Yeah, so. those sorts of players, which is what, and that's the reason I think we should still beat them comfortably because we'll still yeah. have a very good second 11. Um, and then we've got Newcastle at the weekend, a yeah. ground where notoriously we never get anything, despite how poor a side we're playing against or how mm. bad a season they're having. They always seem to get a result against Southampton. Now, I know it's a long distance, but you expect them to be maybe staying up there the night before, flying up there, shouldn't be an issue. 
off the back of a good result on uh, at the weekend, followed up by hopefully a good result tonight and rest for our players, which is one thing we wouldn't have got in this tie last season mm. is rest. Um, I I feel like you know they're there for the taking. Two losses out of two. Um, looking looking weak. Looks at their squad uh, earlier. Not not great. I, I I fancy us up there. I do. It's not if we can keep. Essentially, if you can keep their front three quiet, Newcastle, it's, they're there for the taking, aren't they, defensively? Absolutely. Absolutely. I expect us. I, I, I'm going to go in the, into the game. Anything other than a win, I'll be disappointed with, to be honest, because we go up there time after time. We play absolute dross and we happen to we manage to play even worse than what they have. And it's really frustrating, of course. Um, maybe a bit of a sort of um uh, I don't, I don't I, I, the, the word isn't coming off off the tongue here but a mitigating factor that's the word last season was the weather was absolutely dreadful i know that applies to both teams but from newcastle they could probably they're probably used to it absolutely well last more. season was well, last season was the worst of all of them because we it, played we got to play a side with nine men and um couldn't even get a sniff of their goal it was embarrassing it was so, yeah, they deserve to give the travelling fans something more than that and what we've had in previous seasons. But it, it might it might just come down to a um, you know which which of the attacks is on is on song uh, on Saturday. And we need a we need a game winner. Is it going to be Adams or Armstrong? Is it going to be Saint Maximan or Callum Wilson? I well, are you going up to the game? Are you going to be? Are you going to be there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be finding the net. No worries. <laughs> um, I I think you could probably put your house on Adam Armstrong scoring against Newcastle, and I think it's pretty much nailed on. Um, many Newcastle fans I know say that he's going to get a hat trick or something, and it's just another example of them letting go players that they shouldn't. Because uh, of course Tony, came Tony from as well, Newcastle. Yeah. So um, I think we'll win. Uh, in terms of what team we play. I don't think we'll be unchanged in terms of Premier League. I don't think we'll be unchanged for three games in a row. I think Walcott really hasn't done enough to warrant getting another start. You'd hope that Stuart Armstrong is back from injury. And in which yeah. case I'd, I'd, I'd put him in. Um, whether Lianco comes straight in, I don't know. I think he probably would go with Salita and Bednarik first. And then what I would do actually then just thinking about it, Lianco, don't bring him in for the Newcastle game. We've then got the international break. There's gonna, he's from Brazil, although he does play for the national team at, for, at times. He's not going to be involved if Brazil is the, on, the, yeah. on the red list. Give him that week, that two weeks to really bed into the side. And then I think he looks like in a really good physical defender, really big lad. I don't know if you've seen the photos of him so far, but he looks chuck, like a mop. Chuck him in the deep end against Antonio. Is that your... Yeah, that's my thinking. You know, just like, um, I think that we might need a seismometer uh get at St Mary's for that well, game. I'll tell you what, that'll be a heavyweight contest. I, I could see him could see it being a right tussle if that was the case. I, yeah. I can see him I mean you make a really good point with Antonio. Um I could see him potentially making his debut for the club in if we beat Newport County tonight in the second round of the of the cup. I'm not sure when that fits in. If it's straight after the international break, or if it's sort of maybe, I'd imagine it'd be. A, I, I'd imagine it'd be after the West Ham game. Um, so I could see that potentially. I just wonder. Question for you: Do you think there might be a chance, or a world in which Saints match up 
um, Newcastle at the weekend and play with the 3-5-2. Because there aren't many teams that play a 3-5-2. And we saw how comfortable Saints were for the last 20 minutes against Man United in, in that um, formation. But we just so happened to be coming up against a team that plays that. And maybe having three centre-backs is... That, that was always the Koeman mantra, is, is, you know, if we're playing a team that has two up front, then Ryan Bertrand comes in and makes a, a, makes a makeshift back three. And that was always the way. Do you deal with St. Maximan and Wilson and their movement by having three at the back? That's a very good point. Uh, is, is that obviously the three main centre-backs and then having the likes of Perot and Livramento as the, as the wing-backs in that one? Yeah, as, as, yeah. as we saw, exactly yeah. as we saw mm. uh, at I, the I, end of the game. Maybe not just dropping Walcott, but also Gineppo. Because even though we have a plethora of these players on, on the wings or the inside number 10s or whatever you want to call it, uh, we, have, we have numbers, but I, don't, I think we're still lacking in quality, apart yeah. from Armstrong who I think with Armstrong would play just as well as an eight uh, in a midfield three. So I, I just wonder if, my, if, if we might see maybe Bednarak and Diallo come in for yeah. Walcott and Gineppo and, and, you know, or he might, he might really fancy a 4-2-2-2 high press approach that we had at the beginning of the game against Man United and having a go at them early doors in a full house at St. James's to, to, yeah, to really yeah. get them on their backs. You know, it would be interesting to see. I, I think he'll probably go with his tried and tested, as he always does. Mm. But I'm just really pleased to see him tactically, something new. tactically adapt during mm. a game because that's what we've been lacking. You mentioned the crowd there. Obviously, things are quite very sour up there. They've lost two on the bounce. Although they, I thought they actually played well against West Ham. West Ham were just on a different level. Uh, then against uh, have, against Aston Villa, I'm not entirely sure how they played. Uh, I haven't seen the highlights aside from the the Danny Ings goal. Which... They should have they should, they should have had a penalty. Mm. Um, for some reason, old school VAR was on the case uh, that game, and his toenail was offside. Got uh, taken out. Callum Wilson did. So may well have been a two one and gotten into it. I think they were two 0 down at that point anyway. Yeah. But the uh, I'm trying to think who else. Oh, it was a penalty to Aston Villa was the yeah. other. A, 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 a handball that could have gone either way. So they were potentially unlucky okay. against Villa, but okay. they did lose. They did lose 2 now. So, well, I mean, a Newcastle play... I think Newcastle... They're, interesting. they're playing tonight. They're playing Burnley tonight. So that's not going to be an easy game for them. I know, I think the League Cup goes straight to penalties just at the moment. So even if it does go to extra time but either way there's going to be a battle against Burnley Burnley are likely to probably play a, a strongish side it'll be interesting to see how Newcastle line up as well um, but as you said their fans are going to be on their back and if they will be seeing this game they played West Ham difficult game Aston Villa away difficult game Saints at home with the record their fans will be expecting to go into the international break with at least a win on under their belts if we get an early goal and we've taken the lead in every game, so well, in both games so far this season, that could be a real, real factor into how the game goes. Because I can see, especially especially if it was the likes of Adam Armstrong, we know his celebration can be quite triggering to some people, um, especially yeah. if he was to do that in front of the St. James's, you know, the, the, the main end, stand there with his arms aloft. Interesting to know, interesting to see if he will do that or if he scores or not. Mm. You, know, you know, often they don't celebrate to their old teams and he's a Geordie boy. Mm. It'd be right though. I think Newcastle from the first three games would have been looking at this one or the first four or five because uh, they they had 
a tricky game at home to West Ham. Then they're at Villa Park, Villa strong. Then us, then Man United and Leeds. So you'd expect that this would have been the game that they targeted mostly for three points. Um, but I think Saints do have the option. I, I do think Alan Sam Maximan is going to cause us problems. Yeah, that's he always does. Too, that's why I'm not too confident. But at the same time, I could see it potentially going our way, and we could come away comfortable winners. You know, if we play if we play our game. So it all depends on how they turn up. If, if that momentum from the Man United game is taken forward, or if all that hard work is. Um, it's gone and, 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 we're, and we're the same old Saints at Newcastle. That's a really good point because I was, I, I was thinking this, the, the same thing in terms of we have done, we, we've gone and earned that point. We're off the mark. We didn't think we'd be off the board or on the board at the moment um, going to the Newcastle game. It'd be a case of, right, let's get into the international break with at least something. Now we've got an unexpected result. Fans... Um, opinion and fan feeling is a lot higher now because obviously it was a great performance uh, there was a lot of signs of improvement in that team and you know spirits have been lifted and now we can go into the Newcastle game thinking yeah we can build on something and Newcastle fans will probably be looking at our result against United and thinking shit they, they, we thought we'd, they'd get absolutely battered but now they've, they've got their tails up they're going to come here thinking they can get result obviously Newcastle are going to be targeting a win from the game as well uh, but it's not a case of two teams trying to just at least get something on the board. We've done that. We've got an unexpected result and um, our confidence will, will will be high from that. So uh, that that's a, a major thing. I just I just don't want us to go into the game and then just revert to type when we have, whenever we go up to Newcastle and just not perform and it's just all a bit disappointing. But anyway, that is something to uh, to worry about later. Uh, I'm looking forward to the game. I think I think we will get a good result. And um, especially with the end of the transfer window coming around after that, it'll be a really good way to end the first sort of pre, almost pre-season segment, as it were, because we don't really get kicked off until after it finishes. It's only three games and a cup match. Um, so nothing, nothing's decided in that time, really. So no, I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, before like before we, uh, we wrap up, let's just have a little touch on... We've made a couple of signings. We we touched on Lianco. Let's let, let's start with him. We always knew we were going to bring in a Vestergaard replacement. The fee is quoted to be around six and a half, seven million euros pounds. Um, and Torino fans seem to be quite pleased that he's gone. It doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, a, when it, when his name came up, I thought I have I've never heard of this bloke. Not that I'd heard of, you know, Broger or anything like that. Um, or Perot before we before we before we signed him, but uh, some journalists have said that the situation at Torino basically meant that he was thrown in at the deep end, pretty much, and said to be like their savior at 22 years old, almost a bit like us thinking Salisu was going to be the Messiah straight away, as it were, and then throwing him in the in the, in the deep end. So he looks like an absolute unit, I think. He can replace Vestergaard with his height, his aerial ability, um, his strength as well. Um, he doesn't necessarily look like a ball-playing defender, but I think that with Salisu looks comfortable on the ball. So if we can have sort of a bulldozer at the back and someone just to put instill a bit of fear into the strikers just because of how physically big he is, then that's, uh, it, it, 
obviously we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, I'm 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 happy with the signing of Lianco. I'm excited to see how he does. Yeah, I mean we don't know an awful lot about him. Um, he, he is only six foot two, six foot three, so he's not quite the exact Vestergaard replacement. Um, he is a Brazilian Serbian. Don't get many of those. He certainly looks more Serbian than he does Brazilian from the pictures. <laughs> he looks like someone that you wouldn't really want to, you know, you have a look at him in the tunnel. You don't want to be coming up against him. Um, but yeah, I, I've heard mixed reviews. Um, Given him his full name, Lianco Evangelista Silvera Neves Vujinovic. We're so going to have he, great fun uh, with the audio description, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he comes as Lianco and nothing else, as, as Brazilians tend to. But, uh, yeah, I think he's no, he seems to be, he looks no nonsense from what I've heard. That's the type of player he is. He's not six foot seven. He's not going to be that same aerial threat as Vestergaard, but he's certainly that bullish type of centre-back, as is as is Salisu. So maybe that'll be a nice partnership in the future. Um, but, you know, Torino defensively weren't great last season. I do wonder if Lianco might come in and he might be the same sort of signing as Salisu was last year, where he comes in and he's, you know, you said he's 22. He's one for the future. Salisu was 21 when he came in, came from abroad in a foreign league. And he was, I, I know he was injured a lot of the time, but he also took his time to to get used to the way we play and now look at him. So I wonder if he'll be um, a gradual player to bring in. I know we said about like League Cup and you mentioned physicality against Antonio in, in the league game. But I think after Stevens played well, but Narek is back, we know Ralph likes and Salisu is an absolute dead cert to play, especially if we're only playing two, two centre-backs. I think he might come in as fourth choice to start with. So He's another young player who we're bringing in. He's a fourth centre-back, I feel. And they obviously reckon that they can improve him. Um, the other player we've brought in, who seems to be bringing about a lot more excitement, um, Everton fans, of course, rated him until he turned up in red and white. And now, all of a sudden, he's useless. But that sounds about right. Uh, is Thierry Small. And uh, I'm excited just because of his first name. Yeah. Yeah, the, that that name alone is sort of like sells the ticket for me. He's uh, he's dubbed as quite an, an exciting left back. What I, it's amazing in this window. I know that's what the transfer window is for, and we'll talk about it more in a later um, podcast when we talk about squad depth and rate how we how we do. But for me, we've got fullback has gone from arguably our weakest position to now one of our strongest in terms of squad depth. If you think about it, the likes of yeah, and potentially, potentially. But I, I, I made this point earlier. Everyone seems to be getting really carried away on Twitter that we've had a nine out of ten window, and Martin Simmons needs a contract for life, and all the rest of it. Whereas two weeks ago, it was all we're all getting relegated, and our club, you know, get rid of the board. We we've signed players that the vast majority of us have never even heard of, or never certainly never seen play. We, what we're excited about is the fact that we have two left backs and two right backs. We're excited about the fact that we have bought in a replacement for Vestergaard. Whereas previous times, this would have been left until the last minute of the window, i.e. last season, where we ended up with Minamino instead of a, a left back or right back. That was the sort of thing that the club used to do. We seem to be in a more efficient manner. That helps because we have money in the bank from Danny Ings. 
But, you know, are we, do we have better players than we had last season? We have a deeper squad, but do we have better 11? Do we have, do we have better players? We've lost Ings, we've lost Vestergaard. Yeah, that's yet to be seen. Brozier, like you said, youth player at Chelsea. Liveramento, we, everyone was expecting a lot more from the start from him. Perrault, player from the French League, looks okay, but still we need to see how good he is. And then these two new lads, I mean, one's 17. And uh, if Perot gets injured, I don't really expect this lad to be starting for us. I think we'll have Walker-Peters at, at left-back, absolutely. So we, I think we need to, to see what happens. I like the idea of what we're doing, mm. but we're only a couple of bad, bad results away from the club, from all the fans going, oh, bloody hell, all of our players are kids. We haven't got any experience. Blah, blah, we've got a 17 year old and an 18 year old at fullback, you know. So, so I'm taking it with a pinch of salt and I'm excited to see what happens with these players. And we're building for the future. Um, but uh, what we seem to have gone from creating the best young players in the country to poaching the best young players in the country. And I know this, this plan was formulated a few years back and now we're starting to see it come to fruition the kind of Bruce Dortmund plan of. of why buy the best? Or why buy really decent players for twenty million when you could spend a quarter of that or a fifth of that on players that will be that value, and we will sell them on, and that's what we're doing. Whether you like it or not, that's what we're doing now, and we're taking risks on these players being that good. It's exciting to to think that we've got maybe the best under eighteen left back and right back combination. In the league, in Europe, I don't know. I don't know everyone's under-18s. But there's a lot of people getting really excited about this. Um, youth is great, but we are, we are going all out on the youth. You know, we're not bringing in players with experience. We're going up shit or bust on this. And we said it in the previous podcast after the Everton game, what happens if shit hits the fan and we've only got a couple of players who've got some experience you know we need we need characters too not saying that these young lads are not characters but we we need a mixture if it goes well it will go really well if it goes badly everything will be questioned exactly the same as what we're saying with the team and Rafa's Hasnell's style of play last year so without putting a downer on it you know I think it's great that we're taking the best academy players from from good clubs like Everton from Chelsea especially but we we need to take a step back and say we've lost our top goal scorer, we've lost our best centre back from last season, and we've improved depth, which is brilliant. But uh, you know, are these players? You know, we could get three left backs from Sunday League and put them in the squad. We've got four left backs. Doesn't mean we've got four good ones, you know. Yeah, no, I take that. I take that. And it's trying will... to piss on your parade. No, but... no, no, no. It's all right. Um, well, you're pissing on this parade. All I can say to end the episode on is let's hope it's not pissing on Rodney Parade when we play. Yeah, I heard that sigh. I heard that sigh. You know what? I was, I was, you must read my mind, mate, because I was going, I was immediately thought of a pun, but I was going to say, um, pissing on your Perot. Oh, God. See, we've ended it. Which spells, which spells Parade almost, you know, the silent D. It doesn't help my pun there, but I feel like Saints fans might, might appreciate it. <laughs> well, that that brings the episode to a close. Obviously, if we now go on to beat Newport very very well with our with our second string, of course, that means that we're on what 
the what's the uh, name of the ship that I keep on seeing on memes? It's like HMS pissed the league. We've won three nil at Newport County with our second oh, string. Wow. Yeah. So um, either way, what is good is that unlike last week, we're looking towards the end of this week with a lot more positivity. We've seen a good performance. We're excited to what this plan, this transfer plan could bring to fruition. Um, obviously, very much a case of shit or bust. It'll either go very well or it could go very badly. But it is something that I'm excited to see happen. And I think that it's a really interesting tactic that Saints have gone for in the transfer window. If you want to let us know any thoughts whatsoever, what do you think the score is going to be at the weekend? Are, are you going to Newcastle? Let us know. Um, as always, you can find the podcast on Twitter at under underscore Saints. You can find me at T214Murray. You can find me at Callum Wilson. 21. Um, we will have another episode coming out uh, pretty shortly after this one where myself and Tom have gone through all 20 teams in the Premier League and what we think they could do with signing before the window shuts one player or one position for, for all 20 of those. So um, we've done a few of those before. If you like those, have a listen to that. Just before we sign off, Tom, um, we've got uh, a fantasy football league going on at the moment. Um, at Currently, our friend at Southampton Delivery Podcast, who just missed out on top position to me last season, <laughs> he, he's leading the way at the moment, uh, Mitrovic, 183 points. Uh, I'm in fourth, looking up at him. Highest points so far this week, game week, uh, goes to Steve K, who's got 88 points. Uh, he did play his wild card very, very early, but combination of Antonio and Duffy in there as well has uh, pushed him up the league. And um, I'll keep scrolling down as I find, might be last FC, Tom Murray, who's um, not hey. far not far off his prediction uh, with 57 points this week, mate. So you've got a green arrow, you're on the up. Oh, get uh, in. But uh, yeah, we've got, a, a, it's early doors but uh, a few strong starts in our uh, in our league. You can find that um, on the website. It's uh, I think we just called it Under the Lights League. Look at that, very um, very creative. But yeah, if you want to have a look at that, if you want to join the league, we've um, I think you, there's not much time to join it. But uh, just give us send us a tweet, and I can find the um, the code. I think oh here's the code BLX9GT. So you can join that league, see if you can uh, beat me and Tom and everyone else. And uh, yeah, listen out for that podcast that is coming your way in the next couple of days before the transfer window shuts. Um, and hopefully we get a win from Saints tonight. Thanks very much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay wonderful. <laughs>